Rest Stop. Brad Restituto. Seven years. Handoff. Damian Williams trying to get to the edge. Breaks a tackle. 35, 30. Damian Williams, 20. Stays in bounds. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. Kansas City. And the snap goes high over the head of Big Ben. All the way back to the 2, to the 1. And the Browns have it in the end zone. And they dive on the ball and recover it for a touchdown. Carl Joseph's got it in the end zone. A touchdown. Derek looks left. Derek going to throw for the end zone. Caught! It is caught! Touchdown! <laughs> Welcome to the rest stop. It's Thursday, March 4th, 2021. I'm your host, Brad Restituto. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Brad the Believer. With me, as always, Spencer Ostrovsky. Follow him on Twitter at Spencer the Wiz. This Thursday show got a little bit going on in sports today. We're going to kick it off with Ben Roethlisberger re-signing in Pittsburgh. Spencer the Wiz, uh, are you surprised by the re-signing of Ben Roethlisberger? I'll give you my thoughts first. Uh, I think the Steelers were kind of put between a rock and a hard place. Their record being a playoff team, um, it was going to be tough for them to draft one of the top quarterbacks unless they were going to give up a lot of draft equity and move up. Uh, so with that not being the case and them not having a lot of cap room, they restructured uh, some of Ben's contract. I believe he'll be making $14 million instead of $19 million. And look, uh, I think the Steelers and Ben both think they have another year or two left in the tank. You know I'm not very high on the Steelers in their current structure with Ben Roethlisberger as the quarterback. Um, I would kind of compare him to Phillip Rivers a little bit. I think – the offensive line of the Indianapolis Colts uh, far and away better than the Pittsburgh Steelers. And with one of the Pouncey twins, both the Pouncey twins were retiring uh, the center for Pittsburgh. That loss is going to be pretty big. Uh, we know that the running game isn't very strong. I like the receiving core. They're going to have to mix it up offensively. And with the new offensive coordinator, I'm going to have to see who that offensive coordinator is. I don't think they're bringing back the same guys last year. And, and I think big Ben, Spence has to do the work in the offseason to, to maximize his abilities at this point in his career. He doesn't move around like he used to. Uh, they were very predictable in the short passing game. I think Big Ben could still throw the deep ball. Look, statistically, he was pretty solid last year. I believe it was 38 touchdowns, 10 picks. You look at the stat, you say, wow, I mean, uh, well, what's Big Ben's not the problem. It's the others. It's the coaching. Um, I don't think Roethlisberger at this point in his career is going to win you playoff games. Can he get you in the playoffs in the AFC with that extra wild card spot? Yes, he can. Uh, do you have enough talent at the skill position to make that offense respectable? Yes. Uh, but I think if you want to continue to be the Pittsburgh Steelers that win playoff games and has the potential to be in the playoff conversation, I think you need everything around Ben Roethlisberger on offense and defense to go smoothly in order for the Steelers to be in that conversation. I think him alone um, is not going to get the job done. So then, Spence, you, you may ask, well, what are your other options with the salary cap being what it is? I mean, are, is the Steelers organization and Mike Tomlin willing to go all in on Dwayne Haskins? I, I think we all know the answer to that is no. Are they willing to be in the sweepstakes for a Jimmy Garoppolo in a trade or a Sam Darnold? Or are they willing to make moves to draft a young guy and go that route from the beginning? With the salary cap and, and a quarterback under that rookie deal, that could work. I think the Steelers feel like how they started off the year, I believe they won 10, 11 games in a row. I think they feel like they can capture some of that if everything else goes according to plan for the Steelers up until that point and work around Ben Roethlisberger. So for this year coming up, I don't mind them bringing him back and trying to capture some of the first quarter, first half of the season magic they had before. I just don't think anything changes my mind about the Steelers winning playoff games. I don't think they're good enough with Ben to win even one playoff game, Spencer the Wiz. Your turn to jump in. Tell me what your thoughts are. Well, uh, at, at the end of the day, Ben Roethlisberger was out of shape that entire season. He did not look like a peak athlete. 
And I'm not going to say that he's going to be on the level of Aaron Donald or something like that, but he wasn't in playing shape and it affected his health. There's no doubt about it. Uh, there were times he was gassed. He looked like when he fell down, he may have broken every bone in his body. And, you know, age will is certainly a, a factor when it comes to injuries. But I have to believe if you were to prepare your body just a little bit more or, you know, dedicate yourself a little bit more to the sport, a little bit more to the team. Uh, in my mind, I think he says like he's given the team everything and he's just kind of going out there because he can, because he's he's running off of his pride. But they need more than Ben Roethlisberger's pride at this point. We know he can still throw the deep ball. We know he can still throw it. But if he doesn't dedicate himself to the craft like he used to in his prime, then it doesn't matter if they win 10 games or 11 games next year, 10, whatever the case may be, they will not win a playoff if he is as, as in shape or out of shape, you should really say, as he was last year. So I don't know what to expect from him. I don't know if he really is dedicated enough to the sport or if he's just going out there because he wants to sling the rock. Uh, you know, we'll have to see. The Steelers team is ready for a Super Bowl run, in my opinion, or at least their defense is. Uh, but whether he is or not, or whether they should have gone up to Sam Darnold, which I think was the objective right choice moving forward, because he's going to be gone from the Jets this season. He's going to get traded somewhere because they're going to end up drafting one of these guys from Ohio State, BYU, whatever the case may be. I don't know why they wouldn't do it this offseason and tell him, look, we appreciate what you've done for the franchise, but we got to move on because we're not winning playoff games with you right now. And I don't see any sign that you're going to try to shape up and be with us in the, for at least this year or next year either. So you can go to another team if you really want. No one's going to sign you. But, hey, go go prove us wrong. But we're going to go stick with our new guy. So, Spence, the Dolphins had the Steelers' first-round pick in the trade last year for Minka Fitzpatrick, who was a solid contributor on that Steelers' defense. The rest of their 2020 draft class, in the second round, they had Chase Claypool from Notre Dame. We know uh, how productive he was. In the third round, the Steelers last year drafted Alex Highsmith from Charlotte, the uh, team that just joined Division I from 1AA. In the fourth round, Anthony McFarland, running back from Maryland. Uh, we did, he must have been injured because we didn't really hear much from him this past season. Uh, in round four, they got Kevin Dotson, an offensive guard from Louisiana, Antoine Brooks Jr. in the sixth round, and Carlos Davis in the seventh round. The only name that sticks out to me are, are Chase Claypool and Alex Highsmith. So I don't think really anybody else contributed if they even made the team from the Steelers this year. Uh, we know, of course, the horrific injury to Ryan Shazier pretty much ended his football career. Bud Dupree, J.J. Watt, uh, I'm sorry, uh, T.J. Watt, key contributors on that defense for Pittsburgh. But Spence, I know you think that defense is ready co to compete uh, in Pittsburgh, a championship level defense but they didn't play as good as they did in the first half of the year late in the season. Um, so they've got, they've got to really hit a home run in this year's draft. Number one, they've got to draft well. And I, of course, every team needs to draft well, but the Steelers, especially if they want to compete in that division, we know Cleveland is, thinks that they're ready to complete compete for a division title after winning a playoff game and really playing pretty close in the playoff in the divisional round against the chiefs. You know, the Ravens, feel like they're going to be right in the mix. So if the Steelers want to compete for a division title, they're going to have to hit a home run in this draft. They're going to have to equal, if not exceed production on defense. And that offensive line has got to be as good this upcoming year as they've been in the last decade, I think. If not, I think you see a lot of the same that we saw towards the end of the season for the Steelers last year, which is the offense becoming stagnant, Big Ben not being as effective. And we know they, they suffer for some drops from some of those young receivers, talented receivers, uh, not Claypool. Some of the other, other guys on that receiving core had some drops. I don't know how much productivity or excitement they feel out of the tight end position. Uh, Eric Ebron, of course, had some good years, but they're going to need either some more of that or they're going to need some depth at those positions. And I think this is the, really the only move, Spence, unless you were completely committed to moving up and getting one of those top quarterbacks. Because I think after the top five quarterbacks, let's say Matt Jones falls to them. Is that the guy that you're necessarily committed to, to leading the Steelers? Possibly. I just don't know that the Steelers or really any team feels like Matt Jones is going to come in year one 
Maybe they still draft him, Spence. I don't know. But I think when you when you acquire Dwayne Haskins, you said that we're going to groom this guy to at least be the backup, and we're going to see what we have in him. So if he makes that opening day roster, I think he's going to be the number two guy. If he's gone before opening day, maybe they still draft somebody. But I don't know that they draft somebody as high as in the first round when you have a young Dwayne Haskins on your roster and you've committed to Big Ben this next year. Well, uh, what are the percentage chances to you that Ben Roethlisberger comes back healthy, whatever you want to call that, and takes him to a Super Bowl? What are the, In my mind, it's 0%. So I feel like the only other option is to try to work towards something else. You're not wasting a year. You're not wasting a year of something. I think Mac Jones would – Again, I, he impressed the heck out of me in that national championship game. And you could also say you shouldn't judge someone based off of one game, and I would agree with you. But he was a Heisman Trophy candidate. He seems, he seems to be kind of a guy like Matt Flynn – or not Matt Flynn, Matt Ryan that we've seen. That's who I like to compare him to. And I don't see any reason why a guy who can certainly throw the deep ball – I mean, he had one of the best receivers in college football – which is one thing, but finding him on a consistent basis is a whole other level and being able to play up to that production level that the receiver can essentially maximizing what you get out of him is something else. So again, does it hurt? Does it really hurt the Steelers at the end of the day to bring back Ben Roethlisberger? It doesn't, but to me, it feels like they must really not like the talent pool that's available because otherwise they may have missed out on something horrible because they wanted to run it back with old Big Ben. We don't know how high the Steelers are on Dwayne Haskins. We, we don't know what their draft board looked like. Maybe they feel like with the right situation, right coaching, that this guy is the future. We don't know that, Spence. And we don't know how they feel about the draft class this year. You could be onto something there. And I think we'll, we'll understand that more after we see the first two or three rounds of the draft, if the Steelers don't take a quarterback, then we've got to believe they're pretty high on Dwayne Haskins and that they're not going to go the route of a rookie QB in this year's draft. So we'll have to see how the dominoes fall in the draft. I don't think this does anything for the Steelers as far as where I rank them in the division, where I think they will be as far as a playoff team. Uh, I think the Steelers would like to believe that it means something, but I think I'm curious to know what Steelers fans think, what route they would have gone. So, I mean, if there's Steelers fans listening to the, to the live Twitch stream or on Twitter or on Facebook, or if you listen to the audio version, uh, give us some feedback. Cause I know there's some Steelers fans out there as a Steelers fan. What do you think of this move? Does it do anything to you? Spence, a team I know you are a fan of the Las Vegas Raiders, Mike Mayock, uh, had a Zoom press conference yesterday, and he talked highly. Ed Graney asked a question. We don't have the audio uh, available right now, but to p- kind of paraphrase, uh, I think Graney asked uh, Mike Mayock, we know you like Derek Carr, but if other teams call, do you take their call on a Sam Darnold, on a Russell Wilson? You know, how was that conversation going? Mayock, for the most part, said Derek Carr, we're committed to him. He is uh, – he, he said that him and Gruden are aligned and their thought process, what they think of Derek Carr, that he had a career year, and he would pound the table for him. But in the middle of that, he did say uh, that they would have to listen to calls if somebody calls. He didn't name any specifics. I don't, I don't know what this means, Spencer the Wiz. Uh, I, I definitely – am convinced that if the Seattle Seahawks call, there is some heated conversation about Russell Wilson being the next quarterback of the Las Vegas Raiders. I don't know if Sam Darnold is a guy that uh, Gruden and Mayock are high on, but Russell Wilson, absolutely the conversation is had if that phone call is made by either team. Spence, do you read anything into what Mayock said? I, I think he he's him and Gruden, they were on TV, Spence. They're, they are going to say – the politically correct things up and down. They did it with Antonio Brown. They did it with the Lynn Bowden trade and draft pick. Mike Mayock is not going to give away anything as far as what he may be open to or willing to do behind the scenes. What are your thoughts? Uh, well, it, it, the whole Derek Carr situation, uh, I kind of just come to peace with it as a Raiders fan. I don't like Derek Carr. 
Uh, is he the best Raiders quarterback that they've had? Is he better than even Rich Gannon was? Probably. But again, I was talking about with my dad recently, they haven't had a Hall of Fame quarterback in, in my lifetime. And I think Ken Stabler was the last guy who got in. So I've never seen a quarterback this good for the Raiders, but the bar is so low that it's just not even worth talking about because the bar doesn't exist. He's just, at, he's not going to be a Hall of Famer. Like that's for sure. He's a, a borderline Pro Bowl type of quarterback. Now, can a, can, Derek Carr win a Super Bowl for the Raiders? No. But can he win a Super Bowl with the Raiders? Yes. And I, that sounds weird. And no, actually, I, I like it. Can you elaborate yeah. on that, Spence. He, he does, like, even if, as I say that, I, I find it hard to believe. But we've seen some really bad quarterbacks win Super Bowls. And is he better than the worst quarterback who's ever won a Super Bowl? Yes. Can he run Scruton offense? Yes. Does he not do things right? Does he make some of the most bone-hunted decisions that you've ever seen in your life? He, he definitely does make some of the dumbest moves I, I've ever seen in my life, and it's infuriating. But I have to come to peace with it because they do seem committed to him. If they got the right trade offer for Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson, would they kick him to the curve in half a second? Of course they would. I think pretty much any GM in the league would, but – if you're going to talk about the Sam Darnolds, the Carson Wentz, like those kind of caliber quarterbacks, they would shut the door. And I would too, because you're trading iffy quarterbacks for iffy quarterbacks at that point. And at the very least, he's been a part of this for a while. But we've seen that if you know how to throw a football, like Gruden will show you where to throw it. The offense is so written out for you. And if Derek Carr could just learn to run the football just a little bit, I agree. A, a little more because he's pretty fast. I mean, he's probably in the top 10 fastest quarterbacks in the league, I and mean, he's done it before. And again, I think that vertebrae injury he had a few years back just totally changed his perspective on the quarterback position. We saw a few iotas of that, like of him coming back to his form last year. But still, you look at the last play or what should have been the last play for the Raiders in that Jets game. I mean, that's the Derek Carr that I know. But then, of course, he comes back and throws a perfect dot. But that play should have never happened because they weren't playing three deep. I mean, you can go down and analyze a lot of it. You can go down and analyze all the times where they've needed him in a big spot. And that Texans game, I think of, they needed like four minutes left on the clock. Punt, 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 when you technically can. But this is a Raiders team that I've talked about that has the worst defense in the NFL, bar none. In my opinion, they have the least amount of hope. They have the least amount of work to do. I mean, if you if you want to say, like, technically, if you want to go through, like, Madden ratings types of level, I'm not saying you use Madden ratings, but if you were to, like, if me and you were to go down each roster and do overalls for each guy, would the Raiders have the worst overall in defense? No, but if I was a GM, I would never touch – I would touch any other team but the, but the Las Vegas Raiders because – you have a bunch of young talent that isn't good. And then you have a bunch of veteran guys who also are not good. And I don't know what it's going to take. I mean, they have to start somewhere. They need somebody to start feeding this team on defense. I don't believe in Jonathan Abrams. I don't believe in Cleveland Farrell. I don't believe in Corey Littleton. I mean, Eric Harris has been there for much too long. He's not a starting caliber safety, but they've disguised themselves as that. So I think the discussion has to get away from Carr because I think the fans debating it has made the focus too much on that. The offense for the Raiders, for the most part, has been pretty good in my life. I don't think they've ever been a bottom 10 team. They were pretty good this last offense. year, Spence. They they scored 30-plus points in on multiple occasions. And I, um, I think very well that Marcus Mariota could do that too. So uh, you know what? If, if We know what he did Carr when he stepped guy. in. We know what he did when he stepped in. And Andrew, he was outstanding. Okay. Uh, but let's 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 try to stick with the quarterback discussion just for a couple more minutes. And here here's what I think, Spence. I think every head coach and every coordinator in the league, I think 90%, 90%, nine out of ten teams in this league, they should call a designed run for the quarterback once a quarter at least. What four times a game. And I think let's just look real quick. If you were to take one big play 
out of those plays once per quarter. And, and let's talk about games that the later Raiders lost by one score. Let's even go back to last year, the Jaguars debacle, where they said he didn't get out of bounds. The Dolphins game this year. Uh, the Chiefs one-score game in game two. Let's look at Aaron Rodgers and, and the one-score game against Tampa Bay, where if he would have ran that ball in the end zone, okay, if you run a, a designed, unexpected quarterback play once per quarter, and that play equals a first down or extends a drive, I mean, we've seen Patrick Mahomes do it. He's he's used his legs, but I think you're not going to do that with a Brady, with a Drew Brees, with a Phillip Rivers. I think Big Ben, you could still call one a quarter, even if it's a sneak on fourth and one. I, I think nine out of ten quarterbacks. I know Kirk Cousins can do it. People, He's not I, – I, I know he can. I watched him run read options in Washington – and for touchdowns, he did it more this year as a Viking than ever in his career. And it was successful. He made some great plays with his legs. If you watched uh, every Viking game. So nine out of 10 Spence, there's very few that you couldn't do this with when I'm talking about just, just one per quarter. We've seen Peyton Manning do it once a year. Remember that bootleg he had that was untouched. These, these coordinators and coaches Spence, they, you, you've got to be as creative or more creative. I don't understand why that seems like it's it's so hard for people to do. We know Derek Carr can run. I'm not saying he's a Mariota. I'm not saying he's anything. But we know that he can extend plays with his legs. We've seen him do it. There's no reason once a quarter that coaches and coordinators can't do this. I think they would reap the benefits if they utilize that creativity and committed to it situationally. But I get exactly what you're saying, Spence. With this Raiders discussion, their success is is really not hindering too much on the offensive production. Would you like to see Carr make a few more plays, hit a few more deep balls? Of course. Can he be better? Absolutely. Can he hit more of those plays? But the Raiders' success now and in the future is going to rely on – not only the development of those young guys, because there's a few of them that are going to be in Raiders uniforms in 2021, but the improvement of them and the acquisitions uh, of everybody else that they're going to add via draft and via free agency. I don't know what that looks like right now, Spence, in free agency. Um, I know there's a couple guys you're very high on on the defensive side of the draft, but look, we're going to be having Raiders fans at Allegiant Stadium in 2021. Uh, How many? I don't know yet. Uh, but it's going to be, regardless of how many, they're going to be fired up. They're going to be ready to root on their Raiders in this new stadium. And there's going to be a little bit of a home field advantage. So this is an important year for the Raiders organization and Raiders fans. I know you don't think they're going to be in the playoff discussion, Spence. But regardless if they are or, or they're not, it's going to be interesting to watch. And remember this, they did have a handful of, a very unexpected upset wins last year. They beat the Saints at Allegiant Stadium. They beat the Chiefs. They probably should have beat the Chiefs twice. I believe they were at six and four at one point. Um, and then they kind of fell apart. So I, I I know how you feel, Spence, but a lot of Raiders fans think that there's going to be a lot of hope coming into this 2021 season. Uh, yeah, so I'll just tell you and I'll tell all the listeners, like Raiders fans or not, they will be terrible again next year. The problems the Raiders have cannot be fixed in one offseason, and they certainly will never be fixed as long as Mike Mayock is the GM. That's just the reality. That's something that we all have to accept. Will it be fun to go to Raiders games? Will they probably have a couple of those upsets win next year? Yes, but they are going to be another seven-win team next year unless they do something spectacular. Even if Russell Wilson gets traded and he goes to the Raiders, the Raiders will not make the playoffs unless he is able to scout Richard Sherman and the whole bevy of whatever you want to call him. You got to make the perfect draft pick in the first round. You got to get another key factor on defense. But I, I, there's too much to fix. And I and the problem is a lot of GMs, and I think Mike Mack will do the same trope too, where, oh, we got to do it all right now. And we just got to, oh, we got to fix it. We got to go to the Super Bowl next year when that's that's not how teams are built. You get one good draft pick and a free agent if he fits your scheme. When you see, when I see guys like Corey Littleton get signed by the Raiders, that's when I know that Mike Miak has absolutely no idea what he's doing. To just plug and play a guy because he was good last year, that means he has no scouting ability at all. It's about finding the opportunities when they arise because 
you can't what if you need a defensive end and he's not available in the draft he's just not available in the draft and you have to move on from that so uh, it's just Raiders fans fans of the NFL the Raiders will be the third probably the third best team in the AFC West and they're going to be the same next year and that's when Mike may have to be fired that's probably when Gruden will go too and then hopefully they bring in a new regime that knows how to operate a football team and it's not going to be Gruden's fault Gruden is one of the top five coaches in the NFL that guy knows from top to bottom but he's not going unless Mayock is so when he finally gets fired because of some like massive fallout then hope you know I would love to see Gruden stick out his tenure and maybe meet up with the guy who knows how to operate a football team, but that's just not going to happen. So we'll see. Not good. And I think Derek Carr will be the quarterback for a long time. I'll live with it. And I think it's fine. Uh, Spencer, the Wiz last thought there, if the Raiders find ways to win close games and they're sitting at 10 wins at some point in the season, uh, will you, will you give excuses to why they won't win more? If they are sitting at 10 wins, will you keep telling us why they will fail? Well, they're not going to be at 10 wins. So we don't even have to have this conversation. It's impossible for the Raiders to have 10 wins with this roster. Impossible. They draft Queedy pay. Like I want them to, they will still have seven wins. All right. There you have it. That's Spencer Ostrovsky. Follow him on Twitter at Spencer, the Wiz. You can also check out his show live in Las Vegas on KSHP 1400 on Friday nights. It's called delivering sports and also check out his YouTube channel, Blue Milk Boys Gaming. That's all Spencer the Wiz. And you can also see him here at the rest stop every Tuesday and Thursday, 9 to 10 o'clock Pacific time. And if you miss any of our live podcasts, you can check out the audio version on any of the podcasting platforms. Just search Landry Football Conference Call, and then the rest stop will be underneath there. And, of course, watch the audio and video version of the rest stop live or not live on the YouTube channel under Brad the Believer, and then, of course, the Twitter handle, at Brad the Believer, Instagram, at Brad the Believer, and then the Facebook page. We stream the show live. Brad Restituto there. Spence, let's talk about the Olympics 2021. It was postponed due to COVID in an unprecedented move in Tokyo this year, 2021. It will happen. Will there be fans? That's the question. If there's no fans, which the discussion is still underway, the Olympics – are estimated to lose close to $800 million in advertising revenue and revenue itself. That's a a hellacious number, Spence. Uh, I mean, what do you think is going on here? Even if there's a limited amount of fans, we're still talking about an enormous revenue decrease. The, The participants themselves had to put it off. They lost their own sponsorship revenue, their training regimen out of whack. I mean, we're talking about an unprecedented situation and we're not really hearing anything about the Olympics that are only a few months away here coming this summer. I mean, Spence, this still is the Olympics. We're in the most politically divided time in in my lifetime here in this country. Talk about countries with pride and with a lot at stake and wanting to kind of have ownership uh, of their destination and, and where they stand in history representing their country. It's a big deal to these Olympians. And it used to be a huge deal to uh, the fans, to the citizens of each country. And we're hearing nothing about it on local, on local radio waves, on national radio waves. Nobody is talking about the Olympics. Spencer the Wiz, what gives Olympics 2021? It's going to happen with or without fans, but nobody seems to care. Well, I just want to quickly say, so that it's on record, if the Raiders get 10 wins next year, I will personally buy a custom hoodie with Mike Mayock's giant face on it that says Mike Mayock is the greatest GM of all time. I just want to put it down. Uh, Brian Bravo seems to think the Raiders will be 9-7 and seven next year. All I ask is that if the Raiders are a 7-win team, that you get a t-shirt for yourself that says Mike Mayock is the worst GM of all time. That's... That's all I ask. If they seven wins, if they get more than seven wins, nothing. If they get 10 wins, I will wear it proudly that Mike Mayock is the greatest GM in Raiders history. Uh, but when it comes to the Olympics, I think I think we need to ban the Olympics, period. I think the Olympics is one of the worst run things in sports 
history. I don't know if that's what it was in the beginning. I don't know the deep history behind the Olympics, but I know the reality of what it is now. And that's one of the most corrupt organizations in the entire world, full of some of the worst things that you can possibly imagine. I don't know if you've ever seen some of the images of the after effects of what happened in Brazil for their Olympics, which was supposed to be their boom and what they promised them. That uh, that stadium that they built, that they pumped millions, which are, they're like $11 billion in debt still that no one seems to be paying, is now overrun with brush and green and it was just gone. N- nothing happened to it. And that this crime statistics in that area, I think their armed robberies or their assaults were up like 50%. Deadly assaults were up 15%. They left that place decimated all for what? A Coke sponsorship, a McDonald's sponsorship. Have you seen the sex trafficking that's gone on at U.S. Olympics alone when it comes to these poor little girls? I mean, we've talked about that before. Like when I first met you, that scandal was going on. It hasn't ended. It's still going on all the time. You want to talk about steroids usage? I mean, we talked about a human trafficking thing for U.S. Olympics because we have a free press here. A lot of people on Facebook and Twitter will try to tell you that we're run by a communist, whatever. We have a free press where you and I can come on public airwaves like we are right now and criticize the Olympics. We can criticize the government. We can post articles about whatever the heck we want. We can start our own websites and we as you know, we will not be censored as long as we don't use copyrighted material. In my opinion, that's a free press. You want to say in Russia, you want to go talk about stuff that's going on in China? Their free press doesn't exist. I can only imagine what's going on in other I can only imagine what's going on in other countries where it may be public knowledge where human trafficking is happening, where young women and men are being molested and forced into unlivable habits just to make themselves on the Olympic stage. But we will never hear about it and it will continue to go on. Powerlifting and all that stuff is in threat of not existing anymore in the Olympics because of how bad the steroid issue is. Russia got caught during, I can't remember what Olympics it was now, maybe 2012, where they had this very elaborate scheme when it came to steroid usage. There's an amazing documentary about it when it, I think it was for like bicycle riding or some guy was basically uncovering and seeing how easy it was to take steroids. I mean, this is a huge issue and I can, we don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, we probably have only covered 1% of the black badness or whatever, like the, you know, like black highlight of the documents, like you want to call it erasing history of the bad things that go on behind the Olympics. I think it's disgusting. And I think these guys who spend their entire lives trying to get up to that stage are being disrespected. The sanctity of the sport does not exist anymore. And it's all just a massive sham. And I hate all of it. And 80%, I I saw in an article, 80% of Japanese people who they interviewed or whatever said they don't want the Olympics because there's a major issue about COVID going on. And then I also read an article tonight saying that Japan is handling the pandemic better than anybody else in the world, and no one knows why. Well, if 80% of the people in Japan think it's an issue, well, and they have suddenly the like the most dense popular one of the most densely populated countries in the entire world. And suddenly COVID is just disappearing over there. And their prime minister says that they're just basically that they're just built differently. I would have no problem thinking, and I'm not here to say conspiracy theories or that any reporting's lying or anything like that, but I have reason to believe that they may have downplayed their numbers leading up to the Olympics because they they have no herd immunity. They were, uh, The COVID-19 will be rampant in Japan by the time because they got most of their vaccines from European countries. They had no interest in manufacturing inside Japan. So the average people, because first is elderly and first responders, we know that every country is following that model. They are going to have zero herd immunity. So by the time this huge problem is still going on, Billions of dollars are going to be funneled into the stadium that will most likely be abandoned. And the only people in those stands will be the most elite people in Japan, all the common person struggles. Is that the basis you want the Olympics to be on, which should be one of the most exciting events in the world? It should be the most exciting event in the world that athletes that have trained their their entire lives are competing each other on the world stage and we get to watch. But in my mind, I can't watch it knowing what reality around that stadium, the immediate like 10 mile radius around that stadium. And then everywhere else that they have left their trail 
And then the corruption that has gone through in Brazil, it was on next level, like $80 billion worth of corruption, 70 million from the prime minister who, who was booted a week <coughs> after the conclusion of the events. I know I went a little long winded there, but I do feel pretty strongly about the Olympics and just how disgusted I am with them. Spencer the Wiz, do, do not censor yourself, my friend. You go as long as you want. That's Spencer the Wiz bringing the fire. Spencer Ostrowski, follow him on Twitter, at Spencer the Wiz. Spence, I love I love your passion about this there. Look, man, a lot of things you had to say are hard to argue with the corruption, with the shenanigans that go on behind the curtain, or sometimes not even behind the curtain because it's exposed. It's out there in the open. It's, it's a lot to take in, Spence, because now – we have to compartmentalize as the consumer, as the fans. Where do we stand? Okay, are we going to take a stand because of all of the things that you stated with the corruption and boycott, so to speak, our eyes, not tune into the channel, not follow on the internet? It's a huge decision, especially if you're invested as a prideful person in your country that enjoys sports and enjoys competition. Some people are just so diehard, it does not matter. They will watch. They will consume and it does not matter the circumstances. I'm not sure where I fall in the line, Spence. It, it all depends on what else is going on at the time sports-wise. I, I love some of the Summer Olympics in track and field. I'm a big fan of. I enjoy watching uh, some of the water sports that go on as well. Uh, the gymnastics, always a big fan. But this is a lot to take into consideration with all the things that you stated with the corruption, with the scandals, uh, sexually, trafficking, steroids. Those are all fantastic points. And uh, I, I don't know where I stand after hearing your your take there, Spence. Uh, I probably will consume some of the product. Now, in the past, Spence, I, I've been a consumer. I've bought Olympic basketball gear uh, and, and merchandise. I probably will not do that from now and in the future. So that will be my way of taking a stand. I will not spend any money uh, outwardly, which I have before. Uh, I will probably consume some uh, of the products. And we'll see who some of the title sponsors are for the Olympics this year. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, you mentioned McDonald's Coke, huge in the past. Uh, are they going to be replaced now with some technology companies? Because we know uh, some of the Asian countries have strangleholds on some of those electronic and technological companies. Do they take over? as sponsors more so than the American-based companies. We'll have to wait and see how that transpires. But um, it, we're not hearing much about the Olympics at all, Spence, and we're less than four months away uh, to getting it underway. Now, Spence, in somewhat related news, but not directly, you talked about some of the COVID possibilities and some of the discrepancy in numbers possibly with the Asian countries and some of the other countries. Here in the States, though, Spence, two states decided – that, that, that we are going to open up completely and that the mask mandate is going to be lifted. And these states are Mississippi and Texas, Spence. This is kind of a big deal because they've decided we're going to open up fully and you're not committed to masks. I am very uh, surprised that states have decided to do this. Surprised in a negative way? I don't know. I don't know that that I've made my complete decision yet um, on on how I feel about the mask mandate. I, I've got to think a little bit, Spence, that as human beings, we've got to be intelligent enough to understand that there's still going to be a high percentage of people, even when the mask mandate is lifted, that they will wear masks. I, I, I kind of I kind of like it, if I'm being honest. I kind of like the fact that Texas and Mississippi decided that they are going to go full out, lift the mandates, and not have the mask. I say that, Spence. I say that right now, but I'm kind of a hypocrite because I go to church services and I like to pick and choose where I want my distance. So I'm on both sides of the fence. I like to be distanced from people on certain occasions, but I don't want to wear a mask in others. So like, I, I, I'm playing both sides here, Spence. Help, help me make a decision here. I don't know where I stand. No, this is a, a, a multifaceted issue, and part of it is the human rights side of it, like the government telling you what you can and can't do. And some people just uh, disagree with that fundamentally, and saying that in the they should have never allowed businesses to close down forcibly. 
They should have never forced people to wear masks. And then on the other side is kind of the obvious argument that it's for people's protection. So, I mean, I really don't know where I stand on this either. I think the real thing, I mean, these guys are test subjects in these two states for the most part. As sad as that sounds, I mean, these are the guys, I mean, if their states have relatively the same numbers as everywhere else in the country, then we, we've, it will appear as though the entire country has been duped for the, for the last year and that the economy was essentially decimated for nothing. And I'm not saying even if they do have relatively close, uh, like close numbers, that that's the truth and that we shouldn't have done it in the first place. I mean, I'm, I'm glad I'm not having to make those decisions because I hate politics and I would never want to make those decisions in the first place because we're talking about millions of people's lives. Uh, you know, it, it just, it seems unfortunate timing wise, in my opinion, being that we're very close to being able to go run down to Walgreens and get our vaccine. You and I, even though we're not like, that's how close we are to everyone getting the vaccine. And not that everybody would take the vaccine, but for the most part, I would say the majority of the country would, and that herd immunity would be achieved or whatever you want to say, like call herd immunity. So if we see like if these guys in these in these states, you know, you know, it's it's getting bad, and then they start traveling to other states. Okay, we have a real issue here. So it's one of those things that we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but it's bold. That's probably the the biggest factor that you can say is a fact is that it is very bold what they did. And if their economies start booming and their numbers are, you know, what what they are. It it will fall like dominoes. The entire country will drop this mask mandate like a hot potato is basically what I see coming out of this. It's going to be really interesting to follow, Spence, and see what happens in these states with their numbers. Look, I, I don't know what to believe, okay? I don't know how many numbers in each state are accurate or not accurate. I know that so many people have caught this COVID-19 And I know that if you have an underlying condition, you, of course, want to be a lot more careful and precautious than the next person. But I think the same baseline of the narrative has been consistent for the most part, Spence. And not a lot has really changed when you talk about how to approach this COVID-19. You want to wash your hands as much as possible. You want to kind of keep your distance from people in the most part. You don't want to touch too many things. You don't want to be around large groups all at one time with people breathing on each other. I think those are kind of consistent, consistent norms. Like I'm one to think that the masks should be optional, but then again, I like to have my distance from people. So however you want to balance that, I still am not committed to being on one side or the other. Uh, But I do applaud these states, Spence. We don't know how it turns out, but somebody would have to do it at some point in time, right? This is not going to go on forever. So these, these two are the first to step up to the plate, Texas and Mississippi, and I've got to commend them for that because at some point somebody's got to do it. They had the balls to do it now, so I applaud them. I don't know how it's going to turn out. I have had COVID around the Thanksgiving time. I recovered, and um, you know I didn't have to go to the hospital. I know tons of friends and countless people that it affected differently. Some had very mild symptoms. I'm not trying to downplay this. Okay, I personally don't know anybody that has passed away. Carl Anthony Towns lost his mom and other people. But Spence, I'm still not convinced that with a lot of these deaths reported, that it's strictly because of COVID. There's a lot of underlying conditions, a lot of other things that may have turned into play. There's still just too many unanswered questions that I don't know that we'll know even in the next five to 10 years. So this has just been an unprecedented time over this last year. We're coming up on almost the year anniversary that everything kind of got flipped upside down. Um, So I think, go ahead, Spence. Yeah. I mean, I think this has been proof more than anything about like where people lying about numbers or not. I mean, we're seeing a world population number that has never been like a world event has never happened when the population is this big metadata is so hard to gather. I mean, just imagine the logistics of, getting all the numbers from these hospitals, sending them all up to one person who sends them all up to another person. Numbers and money are going to, those numbers are obviously that we see on our screens are not to the T numbers. How accurate they are to a percentage, I have no idea. And again, like you said, we will never know. It's just impossible. So 
some of it may just be honest mistakes. Some of it may be this or that. Maybe they are close. We just have no idea. Spencer the Wiz. Follow him on Twitter, at Spencer the Wiz. Spence, as we're going to finish up the show tonight talking some NBA, but before we do, uh, for everybody on the live pod now, or if you're listening to the audio version, go to my YouTube channel, Brad the Believer. We're going to preview for you a segment that myself, Spencer the Wiz, and a guest to be named later are working on. It's going to be a segment that will entertain you, to say the least. So we'll give you a little preview of it right now. Check this out. More to come from that in the future, Spence. We are going to work on that a little bit more, but it'll be called the Girlfriend Sing-Along. So stay tuned every Tuesday and Thursday, 9 to 10 o'clock Pacific time. We will tell you more about that in the coming weeks. But Spencer the Wiz, to get back to sports, we are coming up now on NBA All-Star 2021 weekend. It's going to be very unprecedented the way that this is going to go down. The slam dunk competition will happen at halftime of Sunday's All-Star Game. And there's only three participants that I saw, Spence. Obi Toppin, Anthony Simons, and the last guy is slipping my mind. <laughs> so it's going to be a, yeah. it's going to be gonna a three-way it's going to be a three-way dance for the slam dunk contest. The likes of Zion Will, Williamson will not be there participating as as though it's saying he will be in the rookie sophomore game, but is there any excitement uh, in All-Star Weekend, I mean, the slam dunk contest, nobody seems to really care about that with, with guys that nobody cares about. I mean, I, I don't know what to expect, really, from uh, from the All-Star participants. The games are usually super high scoring. I, I think it could be less than even what we knew before of guys. I just don't, I really don't know what to expect, Spence. I expect guys – to, to not even <laughs> who knows what do you help me out here well for the dunk <laughs> contest we need like um not celebrity dunkers but like online personalities whose dunking is like kind of their thing they need to be in these competitions competing like either alongside or against like maybe pros versus joes like that's how they make the dunk contest it was pretty good for the aaron gordon zach levine days like i the second one wasn't nearly as entertaining. Like that first one will always be a pretty special dunk contest, in my opinion. It was the first time that I, and I think a lot of people even paid attention to it. And I think it started just because of the social media buzz. That's how big it was that people tuned in just like in the middle of it because of how fast it was growing and how competition was there. But now, I mean, Obi Toppin can't even find minutes. Anthony Simons is like this close to not being in the NBA. There's got to be something more to make this exciting. And the worst part about this All-Star Weekend, of course, is the uh, players themselves are not excited to do this at all. I mean, I, I actually am curious to go back and watch the draft because I, I saw there was a video of the All-Star Games. I'm just curious to see, like, how interested even they were in talking about it and, like, who they're picking, if it was kind of nonchalant or – I mean, LeBron James came out publicly. All these guys come out publicly and said, this is a bad idea. So why are we to be excited about this game too? I mean, they're basically asking us not to. And the whole reason for this all-star game is to make money. Surprise, exactly. like these surprise these players actually weren't fine. Like the 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 NBA will bend uh, I can't say that, but the NBA will is obviously very pre um preferential to LeBron James. So they'd never find him for saying something like that, despite the fact that he's the leader of his team and drafted it. I think this whole draft thing has also ruined the all-star game a little bit too. There's no stakes as well. I mean, the pro ball we know is like not going to exist in at some point, but the, at least the MLB all-star game will always exist because it's super important. Some might say that's ridiculous to determine home, uh, home field advantage off of that, but at least like these players are playing for something and it's actually a pretty big stakes. I think eventually the NBA all-star game will also turn into it's going to have another major change at some point. They're going to constantly change the rules, which they do every year. It was good two years ago, but 
No fans. I mean, I don't know why they're even having this. Give the players a week off who have been through a lot this season. And I think you'd have a much better second half of the season because I think they go back to playing pretty quickly after this all-star break. Yeah, I agree with you, Spence. And the third participant in that slam, slam dunk contest is the Indiana Pacers' Cassius Stanley. And here's how it's going to work out, Spence. The three-point contest, who the defending champion, Buddy Heald, will not be participating in. The three-point contest will take place before the All-Star game. And at halftime will be the slam dunk contest. It's really strange. Uh, the three-point contest will have Devin Booker, Jalen Brown, Steph Curry, Zach Levine, Donovan Mitchell, and Jason Tatum. Those are the participants. My top two in this list, of course, are Devin Booker and Steph Curry. I think Curry's worked enough uh, over the past few years. He is just I, – I love some of the other guys, but Steph Curry is too consistent in his preparation that involves more of this kind of stuff than the other guys. I say Curry wins this, and I'd be willing to put a couple hundred dollars on it. I don't know if I will, but he's the one that I think will win. So, Spence, I'll give you the list again. Tell me your top two out of this list. Zach Levine in the three-point contest. Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Devin Booker, and Steph Curry. Well, Steph Curry is, of course, I don't think, he's been in quite a few. I don't think he's, has he ever won a three-point shooting contest? Steph Curry, yes, he has. Okay, so, yeah, I mean, he's probably the top one there. I think Donovan Mitchell's number two. He's playing with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. He's probably going to take it more seriously than everyone else. He's clearly pretty amped up about the season after his uh, comments after their overtime loss to the 76ers. So I think he's going to want to try to be on center stage. So if I get good enough odds on it, I'd probably put a few bucks on Donovan. Interesting. Interesting, Spence, the way. So Steph Curry won it in 2015, Spence. Clay Thompson won it in 2016. Eric Gordon in 2017. Devin Booker in 2018. Joe Harris in 2019. And Buddy Heald last year in 2020. So the other event in All-Star Weekend, All-Star Sunday, it will be this time, is the Taco Bell Skills Challenge. And, and Spence, this will be taking place, again, prior to tip-off. So the festivities will be happening prior to the game starting. The Skills Challenge involved in that is Nikola Vucevic from the Orlando Magic, Demontis Sabonis from the Pacers, Julius Randle from the Knicks, Robert Covington of the Blazers, Luka Doncic, for the Mavericks and Chris Paul of the Suns. So the skills challenge, the three-point shootout will be before, and then the dunk contest in the middle. Spence, give us a small prediction for the All-Star game itself. Is it high scoring? We're talking about probably 300 or more as the over-under total for this game. Does this game fly over 300 total points scored? It's really interesting because the scoring system now is drastically different that the, the number is going to be capped. I tend to think over because, well, I see the game going one of two ways. First case scenario is that they literally just don't try and they start chucking up shots and they start and they just don't hit enough. That's very possible. The other thing is that they play so little defense because they care so little that there's like 50 dunk layups and all that kind of stuff. So I, it's it's kind of hard to get a read on the players, to be honest with you. It's it's. If it's three hundred, I would go over. That's kind. Of, it's going to be more. It's going to be more than three hundred, Spence. Here, I'll, I'm going to give you uh, last year's score, and then I'll give you an estimate of what the over over under win total will be. Okay, so 2020 All Star Game was 157, 155. Team LeBron. That's 311 points, and I'm pretty positive that game went went under. And the year before that, in 2019, was 178, 164. That's going to be what it's going to be closer to this year. That was around 340 points. I'm going to set the over-under, Spence, without seeing it, at 345 and a half. So are you taking the over-under 345 and a half? This is the believer's number for all-star game team, KD, Team LeBron. I guess I'll go under. I, I don't think they try enough to score that much. I really do. I think they mess around a lot more and I think it goes I don't think it goes way under obviously they're going to score like around that 150 mark but I would say especially because you have that cap number like as your backup for betting this game I'll, I'll take the under Spence I'm going to take the over and I'm going to tell you why the Brooklyn Nets by themselves pretty much score 130 points a game I'm going to say with the all-star mix-up I say there is no defense played at all I think they it's go true. up and down the court and they get a cardio exercise in and I think this game could be the highest scoring game 
in NBA All-Star history. Now, do they do the same thing they did last year, which is the, the Elam ending, which they set a fourth quarter total of points, and they have to hit that. I have not read up enough on it to know if they do, but that will be interesting to follow if they do do that Elam ending, which was famous in TBT, the basketball tournament that has been played the last few offseasons. So I'm going to go over 345 and a half. When we come back on Tuesday for Tuesday's show, we'll kind of tell you what the line was and how the All-Star game shaped up. Because even though most people won't be turn- tuning in, Spence, we're basketball junkies. We'll at least follow some of it. I've got the DVR set to record it. I do want to see the uh, three-point shootout. I do want to see the skills challenge, and I will watch some of the All-Star game. So, Spence, as we wrap it up, let's hit one more basketball topic, and this is going to be leading into after the All-Star break and who are going to be the favorites to get to the finals. We'll go to the Western Conference, the L.A. Clippers. They're a team over the last couple years that were looked at to be a favorite. Kawhi Leonard cannot even get his team to the conference finals last year. This seems to be a make-or-break year for Kawhi, Paul George, and the Clippers under first-year Clippers coach Ty Lue. Spence, I think they do have an opportunity to get to the finals. I do. I think they have a real shot. It's going to be interesting to see how the health of the Lakers play, and it seems to it'll it'll be interesting to see if Utah can keep that same momentum in the second half of the season. If the Clippers fail in a seven-game series, I think without question this whole Paul George acquisition, Kawhi Leonard re-signing or signing in the, as a free agent, I think it's a complete failure. And I think Kawhi, a lot of people will say, should have re-signed with the Raptors. They had a great thing going there with a great coach and good chemistry. I think the Clippers, I'm going to say it right now, Spence, and I'm going to add it to my Tom Brady predictions. I'm going to say the LA Clippers will be in the Western Conference Finals one series away from the NBA Finals. But is that good enough? And the answer is no, that's not good enough. It's not. They have to get to the Finals at least for this to be at least somewhat of a win. Do they do it? Ty Lue cannot outcoach Frank Vogel, nor can he outcoach uh, the coach for the Nuggets, whose name is slipping my mind Mike right Malone. now. Mike Malone. That's so. If they can avoid those two matchups, which they most likely will not, uh, they'll get bounced. I mean, I don't know why Ty Lue gets this repertoire of being one of the top NBA coaches. He's one of the best player relation coaches I've maybe of all time. Like, you have never heard any problems in this guy's locker rooms. Even during the whole Kyrie thing, he kept it under wraps for the most part. I mean, that's impressive for his tenure there. We know Kyrie is one of the most troublesome players at, of all time in terms of just managing his emotions. And he did it success- He did it enough to get them a championship. Now, did they have enough talent that you could have just put anybody on there? Most likely, uh, all they needed on that team was just to have somebody who could keep it together. But... This this uh, Clippers team does not have a true leader. Ty Lue is not one. Like I just said, he's more about player relations. Kawhi Leonard has been knocked his entire career because he does not have the ability to do that. Paul George cares more about being a celebrity than he does a basketball player. And that guy is one of the most inflated egos in the entire NBA, bar none. If they, have, if they place a, a healthy Lakers team and Frank Vogel is doing his thing, I mean, besides the fact that they have – Still not addressed the problem they have at the center position. I don't think uh, what's-his-name is a bad center at all, but he can't guard the position. He's a terrible defender. Wagner Zubats. Yeah, Zubats. And uh, Nikola Jokic and Anthony Davis will continue to kill them. And LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard will cancel each other out. And Paul George has never played well in the playoffs once in his career. Is he suddenly going to do it now? Most likely not. So I just don't like the Clippers, but if they don't win a championship, of course, it's a complete failure. It's going to be fun to watch. The NBA is going to have plenty of storylines coming out of the All-Star break. Baseball season will be getting into the spring training here coming up. NHL hockey here in Vegas, the the Golden Knights are hot. Uh, The dumpster fire of Las Vegas sports right now is the UNLV football, basketball, and every program under the sun. But I hope everybody has a great weekend. If you watch your rest stop hoodie, Email the show, reststoppodcast at gmail.com. It'll cost you 55 bucks, Brian Bravo. So get your check and get your cash ready. I want to shout out Al Baston, Brian Bravo, Amanda, the girlfriend experience, and everybody else that listened to the show. 
Make sure you check out the podcast version of the show at any of your podcasting platforms. Landry Football Conference called the Rest Stop. Download the Twitch app and make sure you check out the show next week. We're going to have some good interviews. Former Georgia Tech defensive lineman Omar Billy. He's former teammate of Calvin Johnson, Hall of Fame receiver, and heavyweight champion in the WWE, Roman Reigns. We'll have some good stories from him next week. For Spencer the Wiz, I'm Brad the Believer. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back 9 o'clock on Tuesday.